Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. The Parable of the Talents, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what, I, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents, for to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. For from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'll take, I'll take the water, too. <clears throat> I love starting with the word. The word is, it's like water, isn't it? Um, let's pray. Father, I ask that this morning that your word would penetrate Lord, that it would penetrate our hearts and that it, Lord, it's not a performance. It's, it's really about becoming more like you, having a, a kingdom mindset, Lord, and just being all about what you're about, Lord. And just during this time this morning, God, I ask that you would build our faith, that you would uh, just let your, your word um, just be more, more prevalent and more powerful in our life. I thank you, Lord, for every single person here, Lord. I thank you there's no, there's no accidents, Lord, that uh, everyone is here for a reason. The body of Christ, we love you, and I just give you, Lord, every, every part of this 
service, every part of this, um, the words that I have to say, Lord, I, I do my preparation, but Holy Spirit, I ask that you would anoint it, that you would bring life, and uh, for it's in your name we pray, amen. I have this, um, I was thinking during, during worship, um, I have these, these plants uh, in my backyard, I kind of go around my pool, I have some nice pots and plants, and every Every summer I, or spring, I go and get some new ones and I plant them. And just to add a little bit of color, isn't color beautiful? But I have this one particular plant that just needs so much water. And I, no matter how much I water it, it seems like the next day it's wilting. But it's really amazing to me how when I pour just a little bit of water on it, I mean, the sun can be beaming down. And this, the moment that I do that, literally within, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, it begins to have strength again, you know. It gets strong and it gets full. And um, that's how we are. That's how we are as believers when we can be really the sun scorching us, the things of this world that, that, that seem to dry us up. It's God's word that really, truly brings life again, and we, we become rejuvenated. And so if you find your place, if you find yourself in a place where you feel that way, then I would just encourage you to let God's word rewater you and allow his word to bring life into your, your heart and your spirit. So unfortunately, I went on vacation uh, last week, and no one was there to water it, so it did kind of die. <laughs> um, it's really made me sad. It was just like, there was no hope, you know, like, like don't die. <laughs> like, like, don't die from lack of water. Um, people do all the time. People really do. They really do die all the time from lack of water, lack of, you know, you can go without food, but you can't really go without water. Um, anyway. So, um, yeah, the scripture that I saw, Isaiah 55 says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Isn't that good? So many of you have the red envelopes in your hands. Um, I don't really want to go over that right now. I'm going to kind of save that to the end, and I'm going to address that at the end of my message. I want to get right into the word because the word is what's actually really, really exciting. Um, the text that Debbie uh, read, thanks Debbie, you did a great job on that, in Matthew 25, it is our key text for this series called Entrusted. Last year we called it, or we had a series called Above and Beyond, so this is, this is uh, what I feel a, 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 lot, a lot better calling it Entrusted. Um, in verse 14, uh, started out, when Debbie read that, it said, for it will be like a man going on a journey. Well, in order to know what it is, uh, you actually have to go uh, to verse 1 of that chapter, and it says, the kingdom of heaven will be like. So the it is the kingdom of heaven. Um, you know, in the Word, in, in, the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, many times uh, the, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, they're interchangeable. Um, I like to think of it, what really resonates with me is, is I like to think of it as the reign of God. It's not some 
faraway place. It's the reign of God currently in my life, the kingdom of God, the reign of God. Is it living in me? Is the kingdom of heaven, is it reigning in me? Is it, um, does it have full reign? That's, that's what I love to think of when I think of the kingdom of God. It's about now. And uh, this passage is all about stewardship and stewarding all that God's given us. Verse 14 says, For it is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted them right, with his possessions. God entrusts us. He expects us to use what he's given us. He expects us to invest what he's given us. He, and uh, he's a, he expects us to multiply what he's given us. Then and only then do, do you hear or will you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Can you imagine on that day, can you imagine realizing and understanding what God gave you and you, and you used it, and you used it to his glory. Not, not that it was perfect all the time, you know, not that you always were 100%, but you used it. And you actually heard that, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Man, uh, what a day. Uh, one thing that has always struck me about that parable is that the one with the most talents kept getting the most. Uh, seemingly unfair, not, not actually. The takeaway is, is that we're to use to the fullest extent all that God entrusts to us. If He's given you this amount, then use it. This, this, whatever, whatever that is. Uh, to be entrusted means something's been given to you to manage. So in a sense, if it's been given to you to manage, in a sense it's not yours. It's God's. We've been entrusted with finances. We've been entrusted with relationships. Just think about that relationship in your life. It's an entrustment. Uh, your time, the time that God's given you, it's, a, it's an entrustment. Um, it really does put a new light on things, doesn't, doesn't it, if you think about it? Like if you're having a relational issue... And you go like, this, this relationship is entrusted to me, so therefore I'm going to really treat this relationship like really important because, because God has entrusted this to me. I'm telling you, marriage would be, marriages would be a whole lot better if people understood, man, you've given me a gift, God, and, I, and you've entrusted me with this, and... Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of it. And so it really is, it really is amazing. Um, and, and another thing is this, is, is what's been entrusted to us or what we manage has eternal ramifications. Think about that. Think about that every dollar you have, every relationship you have, every moment that that, talk, that, that clock ticks, it's, been, it's an entrustment to you. Um, so that's a little bit I wanted to just open up briefly on the passage that um, is for our series, the one that Debbie just read to us. But this morning I want us to look at how God supplies. 
Because we have our natural economy, one which is all very familiar to us. You know, math just makes sense. Uh, It's very easy to understand. Then there's God's economy. There's His way of doing things. And sometimes that is really hard to grasp. I'm convinced I I still don't have the best angle on it all. Uh, I I just, I know that there's so many things in my life that... um, that I wish I was better at, even in God's economy, with all these things, with all these things that he's entrusted to me. Um, so our, our scripture text this morning is, is John 6, and it says this, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude, we learn that there's 5,000, so a lot of people... And supposedly that's just men and not including women and children. A great multitude coming towards him. And he said to Philip, I can imagine Philip just looking out at these people flocking to Jesus. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And verse 6, but this... He said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. God often asks us questions to test our hearts. You're going to hear a lot about questions in the sermon. God asks questions, and he wants answers. And so many times, you know what? The problem is we don't even hear the question. Like life gets so busy We are so inundated with so many things. I think so many times we don't even hear the questions. So what we need to do is we really need to be open to listen. I I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to the mission field um, going to Romania uh, in 1994, and it really came about through questions. I remember going on this missions trip to, it was just me and a, a group from our church, and I remember going to Romania, which I honestly didn't, wasn't really sure I even wanted to go on the trip. I loved my life here in Pensacola. I loved my growing family, my job, and I'm just like, well, we have saved, we you know people in America need the gospel. Like, well, why am I going on? But I went on this this trip, and I remember, um, I was on I was on the sixth floor apartment in Bucharest. I was overlooking the city. Um, it was a place in Bucharest called Colantina, and I was overlooking the city, and I felt a question come to me. It is, isn't it interesting how God has to bring us a lot of times in phases? The question that was, you know, it's kind of like, you're here for a week. What can you do in a week? Really not much, but um, I felt like the question was, do you think you could maybe take all of your vacation and just think what you could do in six weeks instead of a week. Maybe even prepare for it more and how much could you, do, how much could you accomplish? And, and so I, I thought about that and I was like, yeah, you know, I, th- I think I could do that. Questions. I remember going a little bit further and another question came like, at that point in my life I had a little small business and I was working for actually an, an airline and, uh, and so the question came, if you now quit your job 
and you just worked your business, you could probably spend, who knows, three, four months. What do you think about that? And I remember it tugging on my heart, and I just thought, I could, I could probably do that. And then it went a little bit further, and it was like, now if you, you know, quit your job and you sell your business, just think what you could do with your life. And I remember thinking, well, you know, you're going to have to ask Teresa about that. <laughs> because as she told me when I came back from that trip, she said, you've been on this nice missions trip, and I've been home with three small kids, five, three, and one. And she wasn't really all that much for it at, at the beginning. But it came in a set of questions. And... And in six months, we were living there. Sold everything, shut things down, and I felt God called me, and that lasted a little over 10 years. It came in questions, and so I'm wondering how many, how many times God is asking us things through the, the Holy Spirit, and we just need to listen. We just need to say, God, are, is it you? Is it really you? Can I open up my world for more? Is there more you want from me? Questions, they test our faith. But the question is, is what will God find when he asks the question? Is there an easy obedience? Is there willingness to believe for the impossible? As we'll see in this story, an impossible thing happens. Is there going to be cooperation on our side and will our actions follow? Or is it going to be a great concept in our mind, or are we actually going to do something about it? God is simply saying, are you willing to do that? It's a question. Now, you know, I, I, I love this scripture. It's in Psalms, um, it, because our, our, our response always, it needs to be easy. <laughs> and there's this, this uh, Psalms that says, do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, but they must be controlled by a bit and a bridle, or they will not come to you. Man, I'd rather be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I would rather it be easy. I don't always want the Holy Spirit, I don't always want a yanking in my mouth. I want, I want there to be an easiness, right, in, in my life. So we need to think outside the rationalization of our limited mind. Our minds are so limited. You know, the Bible says that we see dimly. Why don't we ask, you know, the Holy Spirit to clear things up maybe a little bit? Like, can you clear up this one portion? Like, no. When it comes to simple obedience, and in that reading of, of Matthew 25, I want you to notice verse 16. It says, the servant who had received five talents, when did he go? He went at once. He didn't wait and think about it and wonder. He went at once and he put them to work and he gained five more. Like, do you see that? Like he went. He just did it. So when Jesus saw the crowd and he asked Philip this question, verse 6, again, it says, but this he said to test him, 
For he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus already has a plan. He's just asking the question. And in this situation, with Philip in John 6, God is about to perform a miracle. Maybe God's asking you a question because he wants to do the miraculous in your life. Can you imagine not listening to a question when God wants to do something miraculous in your life? That's that's a horrible thought. Because he knows what he's going to do. And the beautiful thing is, is what God does when God works, it's always redemptive. There's a redeeming factor in everything that God does. Even if it's discipline. There's a redeeming factor because he is a loving God that wants to redeem you. But the test is, is how easily does my heart line up with what he wants to do? That's, that's, the, that's the conundrum. John 6, verse 7, so Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. Right, he's dealing with his economy, he knows that every one of them might have how much? A little. He answers in the natural. Just a little bit, not even full. 200 denarii was a lot of money. It was more than a half a year's wage. Some people say, some people say it's a lot more. I read one commentary and it was like, you know, 16 years or something. Of, but it's, my understanding is about a half a year's wage. And it says that 200 denarii worth of bread, it wasn't sufficient. Not only that, as I said, that everyone may have a little. Just, just to satisfy the groaning in their stomach, because if 5,000 people are walking around wanting to listen to Jesus, I mean, they're probably pretty hungry. And so, they're, so there's not even enough. He, he's trying to he's kind of come up with the equation like it's not even enough for a little, like for a little bit. Now, I want to point out that Philip is saying this in the presence of the great I am. Remember Jesus said, you know, to Moses, what, what, what should I call you? And he said, the great I am. You know what? I am what? I am sufficient for everything. That's when I, when I hear the great I am, I think of the I am. I am sufficient for everything. I am that I am that I am. I am. I am the, the answer to this. I am the answer to that. I am the answer to that heart cry. I am that I am that I am. I am the great I am. This is who he is talking with. And it's also interesting that of the 40 miracles that are recorded, the miracles of Jesus, this particular miracle falls chronologically at about 20. So that means that Philip has experienced a lot of Jesus, a lot of miracles, but he's still in his natural mindset. You know, I was thinking yesterday morning as I was kind of going over this and you know, looking at looking at my notes and, and everything, I was, I had the thought. Um, I wonder how it would have been. I wonder how the story would have looked if Philip would have just said, 
Lord, why don't, why don't you just bless it? You, know, you can multiply it. You can, I mean, you go boom, like you could make us a bread factory if you wanted to. Like, there's nothing that you can't do. I've seen you turn water into wine, your first miracle. Like, you're amazing. You know, the scripture that came to my mind was that of the centurion. It's called the faith of the centurion. I just want to read this short little passage in, in Matthew 8. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, a question. Shall I come and heal him? Like he just, wouldn't it be a deduction? Right? No, Jesus asks him the question. He says, Shall I come heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go and he goes. I tell that one to come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in, in, in Israel with such great faith. Isn't that amazing? Like, oh, that we would have that kind of faith. Like, no, Jesus, you're, it's your words. It's the power of your word. It's that water. It's that, it's that life-giving water. Like, no, I've, I've heard the stories. I've heard, I, I, you know, I, I was at the wedding, <laughs> and, um, you know, or, or whatever, the miracle. No, he was convinced that there was nothing that Jesus couldn't do. He just had to speak it. I wonder how that would have looked. But Philip, he didn't say that. He said that it was insufficient, and he said that it was little. We say a little based on what we see, not on who we are talking to. So Philip's problem is overshadowed and engulfed, it's on your notes, by the vastness of the need. He can't get over 5,000 people. And sometimes the vastness of the need can be overwhelming in our life. I, I think some, sometimes people quit because they see the vastness of the need. Like how could God really really use me. Um, the, the need is, you know, like, I, I'm so little. I remember when we sold everything and we were going to Romania, I think that our stop was in Munich. And I remember looking around at all the people in the world. There were people walking through the airport from every, seemed like every nation. You feel, you feel so small. It's like looking at the stars, you just feel so small, right? Here I am, right? Here I am going, you know, I'm, you know, three kids in ten suitcases. Like, what am I going to do, right? So I, I was working on an album at the time, and, um, and, I, and I, 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 wrote, I wrote these words, and I said, uh, it, it said, it goes, so many people, so little time, Lord, I see the harvest, but who am I? See, kind of like my mindset. 
It says, you said to go, so here I am. It's not by might or power, but through your hand that I can share the message of the cross and the gift of life to the lost. Lord, I need you every step of the way. Lord, I want to have faith in you like Abraham, not to doubt a single word. I want to trust in you like Joseph when in a prison that he didn't deserve. To stand and fight like Gideon when all reason says don't go. I want to take the land like Joshua at Jericho. My only, the only thing I had in me was just to cling to God's word. And you know, only, only, only eternity actually calculates a move that you make in your life. I, honestly, there were times that I wish I operated with more faith, and I wish I did more. I wish I listened more, maybe. Like, it's not... Listen, life, is, life can be messy, right? It's not like everything's perfect. Even when God calls, if you're waiting for the perfect situation to move, good luck. Ain't gonna happen. No, you move, and God takes the little that you have, and he uses it, and he increases it, because you were willing to go when a lot of people said no, and let God sort out all the details. That's what living in the Word is, is, is like, and living a life, and impacting people's life, and letting that be your objective. Letting that be your life. Don't let the largeness, the vastness of the problem shut you down. Just make a step. It's called stewardship. You, you take the, what God's given you, and you use it. The vastness of the need, but in the presence of the one who set the stars, who spoke nothingness into being. The vastness he uses, the little becomes much. I want to give you another example out of God's word. Real quickly here, it has to do with with Moses. Uh, He's at the burning bush and he has nothing. He fled his life as a, as a prince, a life of royalty and benefits. He had everything that Egypt could offer. And he became a shepherd at the backside of a desert. You know, he made a mistake, let me tell you. I mean, I don't think God had it in the plan for him to kill the guy. But he was seen, he got scared, and he left. And he went to the desert. It's, isn't it wonderful? You know, all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose. I mean, like God takes our mistakes and He uses them. And, and God took that and God, God used that. And, and, and interesting, when He's before the bush, guess what happens? God asks Him a question. He said, what is that in your hand? And interesting, God never asks you for what's not in your hand. What do you have in your hand? Moses like, it's a rod and it's a staff. And God's like, that's all I need. That's, that's what I need. And when Moses raised it, the Red Sea was opened. The Nile River became blood. When the Israelites were thirsty, he hit a rock and out of it came Rivers of living water. When Moses picked up the rod, it was no longer his rod. It was the hand of God. It was God's rod. Another great example is the story in 2 Kings of 
Elisha, he comes to a widow's house. And she was being pursued by the creditors. Her husband had died and left a huge debt. Um, and she had a huge vastness of a need. There's no way she could have paid that debt back. She had two young boys, and she couldn't pay the creditors, and the creditors wanted to take her two sons as slaves. So she cries out to Elisha, the vastness of the need, and I'm going to continue that story in a second, but I want to hit John 6 again, our text. Verse 8 says, one of his disciples, so we're in the story, right? Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. I want you to notice the, the verbiage in this, right? Um, there are two diminutive terms, uh, the lad and the small fish. That's what he focuses on. Philip's problem is the vastness of the need. Andrew's problem is the littleness of the supply. Andrew's like, what's that? We don't have enough. And then he says, but what are they among so many? The vastness of the need, the littleness of the supply, and neither of them is looking at the miracle worker who is in their midst. Now I want to go back to the woman with Elisha in 2 Kings. Um, the creditor's coming. She has immense debts. And Elisha says to her, he goes, what do you have in your house? What is it? It's a question. I mean, isn't that a great question? Like, what do you have? What do you have? It's a question. What's in your possession? And so the text reads, Elisha replied to her, <laughs> again, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. I wonder about that. Maybe, they were, maybe, maybe there would have been people laughing or something. I don't know. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, uh, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept on pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And I want you to note that the supply is always greater than the need. The jars ended before the oil did. You know, this world's based on the law of supply and demand, of insufficient resources. The world's economy is based on scarcity. That's the math that we understand. That's what's natural. 
So the story continues. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So when God gives, what does He do? He gives more than enough. Not only was the debt problem solved, but plenty left over. Now our sons don't have to go to prison or or be used as slaves. So going back to our story, let's look at the miracle. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. I thought it's nice that they added that, comfy, cozy. So the men sat down in the number about 5,000. So there it is, men. That's not even women and children. 5,000 people. Hey, Philip, go feed them. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. Now, I want to insert Mark here. He also gives an account, and it says, and gave them to the disciples to set before them the two fish he divided among them all. The word gave here means kind of like kept on giving. It's an, in, it's an indefinite tense. In other words, it's multiplied in the hands of Jesus. They would go distribute it, and then they would come back to Jesus, and he would have more for them. Basically, we come back to Jesus. We keep coming back to Jesus. We come back to him for the supply. When it runs out, we come back. Jesus' hands were never empty, but always full. Verse 11 continues, And the disciples, to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. Not just a little. Not just to quench the groaning in their stomach, because they hadn't eaten as much as they wanted. Notice it doesn't say as much as God willed. It says as much as they wanted. That's interesting. That's food for thought. Some people are satisfied even before they're filled. The problem isn't so much the Lord, it's us. Lord, I believe for so little, when you are so great, What's the cry of our heart? Lord, enlarge my capacity to even think bigger, right? Sorry, Lord, I prayed for a job and you wanted me to pray for a position. I was looking at the littleness of my education. My experience. My surroundings. I was looking at the littleness of Pensacola and the vastness of my need. Start looking to Him, our inexhaustible supply. I want to end with um, this verse. I love this verse. And then I want to talk a little bit about the campaign that we're in. Ephesians 3.20, I love this verse. It says, Now, to Him, Jesus, who is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly Above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola. 
or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.